Okay, everybody, welcome back once again to Tech Gumbo. I'm Haggai Davis II, along with Haggai Davis III, and we'd like to welcome you to Tech Gumbo. Here on our show, we like to talk about the past, present, and future of all things technology in a topical, interesting, and digestible way. Without geek speak or a bunch of acronyms, we just want to talk about technology that's important to us and important to you. We also want to thank Cardinal Capital. To business owners and CEOs, hopefully you have a good relationship with your lender. Even if you do, sometimes you face other challenges, such as a need to consolidate debt, a want to level out your cash flow, or a desire to buy new equipment because you're in growth mode. If this describes you, give Cardinal Capital a call, whatever your need or challenge. They have over 4,000 lenders where they source commercial capital for business clients. Chris, Gary, and Rob at Cardinal Capital have a passion for business, and they want you to succeed. When you meet with Cardinal Capital, they get to know you and your business, so they can present your needs to lending institution that will best fit your unique situation. In short, they go after money for your business. They translate your business into what's important for lenders, and they are good at it. Depending upon what the deal is, no matter how complicated or straightforward, they will help maximize your profitability while setting your business up for success. They find the best solution for your situation, all while being fun and easy to deal with. For more detailed information, visit their website at cardinalcap.net. You can also call them 225-308-3700 or email them info at cardinalcap.net. So we're back. We took some time off. It's been about a month since we've done a new show. Life kind of happens and gets in the way of when you can actually record things from time to time. Yeah, the tech gumbo is a time commitment on our part. You know, we really try and do some research and try and prepare and pull everything together and then recording and editing the show. Uh, we want to make sure that whenever we're putting something out there, it's the best quality product we have. So we needed a break, but we are back. So let's get started with today. We're going to begin today with Russia has fined Google $370 million for spreading false information about the Ukraine invasion. Yeah, this is one of those things wherever, uh, on first glance, you're like, okay, sure, Russia. It's Google, which is wrong about everything. Google is the one that's being propagandist here. But then you get into the layer of, well, all of the monetary freezes are still in place. Even if Google came out and said, you know what, you're right, we're so sorry, here's this fine, there's no way to transfer that much money into and out of Russia. All the freezes are still in place. It really is amazing that, number one, Russia would have the chutzpah to sit there and say, you're telling falsehoods that we didn't really send, you know, 100,000 troops across the border and we haven't been bombing innocent civilians. We didn't blow up a nuclear power plant. I mean, to who are they kidding when there's so much video evidence that the world has seen. That's, I, I think chutzpah is exactly the right word there. And it's also scary though, because you have to think that in the future, this it will be how the information is controlled. That if you have these companies, which are also platforms and they are fined for, you know, spreading false information, we have on our end the legitimate version of this, wherever you're saying, you know, you can't spread false information about the election or about COVID or things like that. But we believe that these are, are mostly good usages of this. But what happens when our someone starts to use this in the bad way? That's a really negative path to start walking down. Moving along, 
DirecTV has joined SpaceX in opposing DISH's 5G plan because of interference concerns. From what we could tell, it was difficult to say who was actually right on this. DISH is considering a new wavelength that they plan to use to send data back and forth from their satellites to their customers. But SpaceX and DirecTV are saying that this new wavelength would interfere with a lot of different things. DISH is saying, nah, we have a study that says that it won't. DirecTV says we have a study that says it will. It, it gets kind of weedsy as to who's actually right here. But it's it's going to the FCC, and so there will be a federal process to determine who's actually right here. They're wanting to use a 12 gigahertz spectrum to to send down their signals, but both DirecTV and SpaceX are saying, hey, this is going to interfere with a whole lot of transmissions, not just SpaceX's transmissions or DirecTV, but they're saying this is going to screw with a whole lot of other terrestrial-based communications. And so this is kind of concerning when you have two separate companies that are not exactly allies lining up and saying that's a bad idea. Uh, another piece of evidence in that direction is that UK-based satellite internet provider OneWeb also is making the same claim along with DirecTV and SpaceX that they think DISH is going to start to mess with some stuff here. So whenever you start to have multiple independent organizations like this all coming together, and we know that DISH has kind of been flailing in a lot of different ways recently because their subscriber base is plummeting, and there's the concerns about what uh, Starlink is doing to them, they're not really in a great negotiation position right now. No, I mean, because DISH has been using, since the 90s, the 12 gigahertz to provide TV directly to their dishes but they're trying to be to broadcast in a wider outside of that spectrum other than just television communications directly to their satellites and that's why you're you're having so many people oppose this right now yeah it really it goes to show that nothing lasts forever dish and direct tv which used to be staples of the industry are having to innovate and you don't always innovate twice no, you really don't. Moving along, TikTok's head of security is stepping down. Insert joke here. We, we have a couple of them. <laughs> yes. Who knew TikTok had a head of security, number one? Yeah, then there was, <laughs> uh, was his subtitle Fall Guy? I mean, come on, really? Who, who thinks that TikTok has any level of security and who thinks that this that everything is not going directly to ByteDance's servers directly in China so that communist Chinese government is reading everything that TikTok is is amassing. And the the most terrifying part of all of this is that it's not just what you're watching or how long you're watching it for, what you're liking. Those are all the basic level of things. It also can even collect information about the position of your phone. And so it knows if you are holding your phone in your left hand or your right hand, if you're laying down, if you're walking, if you're standing up. All those other pieces of information are inferable about you, the user, that you don't even realize 
because they are collecting so much information the that they can build these wildly descriptive profiles and to this point in time we've just kind of let them do it because it's really entertaining yeah we have all these 20 to 30 second videos that we can just laugh at moving along because we really do have a, a lot of stuff to cover here Netflix is expanding its password sh uh, sharing crackdown. You really need to be concerned about this. Yeah, they're calling the new feature add an extra member or add an extra home. And this is really interesting because it used to be a family plan, but because they are now tying it in certain ways, we're kind of letting Netflix define what is or is not a family here if you have this device in multiple places is that different is that somehow fundamentally a new thing so what they're doing is they're looking at the ip address coming off of your wi-fi router or your router or firewall whatever you have at your house and so you might have as many devices as you want behind that firewall or behind that router, and that's fine, but it's still giving off the main IP address from your, your, your router. So when they see a wildly different IP address and they know that, oh, look, old hag, he's down there in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, but here's young Haggai who's part of the, on that account, but he's got an IP address that's up there in New York City. Well, that don't look like he's in the same household anymore. Yeah, that's a really new distinction that they're drawing here. But the scary part is, is they're not alone. Spotify is now asking for location data. For the Spotify family plan, it starts to draw circles around, you know, where are you sleeping at night? Are you sleeping in close enough proximity to say that these people would be part of one family? Or are your phones spread out far enough that it doesn't think that you qualify as a family and therefore no longer get the family plan? These are really, like, not great definitions of the family unit. And for all of the other, you know, people who are saying, oh, this group is breaking up the family unit, that group is breaking up the family unit, tech companies are now joining in to redefine it to meet their own needs. It, and it really, that is a very frightening thought that we're allowing a tech-based company, a company in Silicon Valley to decide this is what a family is now. And the fact that you're a college kid and you and, and your sibling is a, is a college kid and i want my kids to be able to take advantage because you're still quote unquote on that you're not off on your own we're still part of a family you're Nothing still part of the family from 17 to 18. The, the, we still as best as i can tell the all the, the lines still go to the same place we have not disowned you yet. That's so, uh, yes, you're still part of the family. And and to have Netflix sit there and tell me or, or Spotify say, nope, you're not part of that family anymore. You don't live there. That's That's not comfortable. And especially because we have a very traditional family structure. If our family structure was in any way more complicated or different or, or, or other things, organizations boy this could actually like really make some people angry that like who are you to say that that's not my family i i think that this is 
I mean, they're doing a lot of things wrong in general, but man, this is really just impressively bad. It really is. And we'll keep an eye on this and report back as as uh, Netflix does more and more to break up the family unit, as we shall say. I, I'm not. This bothers me a lot. I agree. The next thing we want to get into is looking at Windows 12. This is this is a, another baffling decision, but at least it's not evil. It's just kind of odd. Whenever Microsoft announced Windows 10, it was supposed to be 10 forever. That was going to be the last one. And then a couple of years ago, they announced 11. And we all just kind of went, meh. And then now they're releasing 12. And I still don't get why I would want 11 in the first place. To give you a little bit of history here, Microsoft had been releasing new operating systems every 30 months. And they were also releasing new versions of their Microsoft suite every 30 months. Not the same 30 months, but they were it was, it was a 30-month release pattern. In 2015, when they released Windows 10, that's it. The last operating system we're ever gonna, we're just gonna do updates. We're not gonna do any more name changes. Then they said, like you like you mentioned, Windows 11, which was launched, and now here they're coming out saying, "Yeah, we're gonna they're going, we're going back to that every 30 months." So Windows 12 is coming out in 2024, and it's gonna meet up with that 30 month timeline. This is just such an interesting choice on their part. You know, is it going? Is this an admission that Windows 11 didn't do all the things that it could have? Do they say that you know? We really need to go to 12 in order to make that next leap. In which case, why did you release 11 in the first place? 10 seemed to be doing just, 10 still is doing just fine. The majority of people are still on 10. People have not switched in general to 11 because there's no reason to. And so what? who made that decision? What was the thought process there? All of this just reeks of you know, second guessing yourself and not having a clear plan. This is strange. I mean, when you have less than 20% of all the computers in the world has switched to Windows 11, and we're talking Windows 11 has been in full release now for a year, and people still have just said, I don't think so. I don't need it. And so you're going to now come out with the, in the end of 2024, a whole nother version of a whole nother operating system that, again, Windows 10 is doing so damn good. Why will I need to go to 12? What is going to be in 12 that wasn't in 11? Why couldn't you just stay with Windows 10 and just keep making your patches and updates? Yeah. Or why couldn't you patch 11? What is it about 11 that is so locked? Because if your thought process was that it was going to be 10 forever and you had the capacity and ability to just keep updating 10, did you remove that feature from 11 that you couldn't just keep updating and patching that forever from 11? And also, now I especially have no reason to switch to 11. Because if I already know that the end of 11 is coming, well then why? Like, why am I not just going to sit here on 10 until I get to 12? And then is 12 going to be 12 forever? Are we just permanently going back to the third cycle? All of these things just point in very different directions. And this is strange. Well, here's the other part of that. If you're a business and let's say you've got 
30 computers. To upgrade each one of those computers to 11, that means you have to take about an hour to run through the update. You have to pay your IT company to come out and do the full upgrades. And at about an hour a piece at 100 bucks, 150 bucks an hour, you know, it's going to cost you three grand to take your company to Windows 11. And then a few months later, a year and a half, two years later, you got to do that same three grand to go to Windows 12. You think so? I don't. It's not happening that way. And for Microsoft to say, okay, here comes Windows 12. Well, Windows 11 is just going to become the Windows 8 of, of operating systems where you had it out there. Everybody looked at it. It looked goofy because you moved the the search bar and, and the 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 start button to the middle of the of the the, the taskbar, and now you can move it back because people hated it. The same thing that people hated Windows eight for, and so they started making all kind of yeah, changes. At least Windows eight tried something different where it had tiles, and people were like, "Oh, I don't like that." I don't, there's not even anything in 11 for me to not like. It's just 10 plus, plus, you know, another, it could have been a patch. It could have been a large patch inside of 10. But if you'd have just patched 10, no one would have even known that they're all on a new operating system. It could have, and it could have just been a feature update. One of the twice a year feature updates and be fine. Nobody has to go out and buy a whole brand new operating system and has to pay for a whole brand new up. You know, I, I just think this is a, a silly idea and not happy. Oh, yeah. If this could have easily been a tech gumbo story, Update, Microsoft says you can now move the Windows bar from the bottom left to the middle. Okay, and, and like, we just said, sure, why not, and kept going, but you turned that into an operating system. For a company which normally is much better structured, has a much clearer picture of what it wants to happen, this is, is a, a weird misstep. I, I just don't get it. And, oh, by the way, speaking of Windows 8, that is coming to end of life for the dozen people out there in the world who are still using Windows 8. The January 10th of 2023, the operating system will be end of support. Now, the good news is estimates have it at 0.5% of users are on uh, 8.1. So that is not a whole lot of people because everyone looked at 8 and went nah and went straight from 7 to 10. And so you really have to think that 11 is going to sit there in the exact same cycle. And it really, I just don't understand why you would release 11 and then 30 months later, now we're going to have 12. So that means in 2027, we're going to have Windows 13, or are they going to skip 13 and go to 14? Because, you know, 13 being a superstitious number. And it also... The, the For such a long time, the joke was Microsoft has to release a good OS and a bad OS, a good OS and a bad OS. And it feels like at this point, Microsoft is just leaning into that. They're, they're allowed to break that cycle if they want to. They're not contractually obligated to have every other one just be a failure. They did away with the service packs. Okay, so you don't have service pack one, service pack two, service pack three. They did away with that because everybody was waiting until service pack two came out to do the upgrade to that next version. All right, well, fine. But just changing the name Windows 11 and Windows 12, 
you're going to have to tell me or show me or give me a lot of good reasons why I need Windows 12 because Windows 10, oh, we're going to end of life Windows 10. That's why you're going to want to go. Windows 7 was a really good operating system for a very long time. You killed it. Okay, you came out with 10. 10 was a great operating system. I'll give you that. But I'm just, I, I, I don't get this at all. So we have a bit more time to develop it in the future. But yeah, this is one we need much more information on to be confident about. So as things happen, we'll get we'll let you know what's happening with Windows 12. We want to thank General Informatics for sponsoring our show. General Informatics is an information technology firm with a mission to make our clients even more successful through the best use of technology. Based in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, General Informatics is a premier IT managed service provider delivering exceptional managed IT solutions to a diverse base of customers across the southeastern United States. From the beginning, we have maintained our commitment to meeting the growing needs of our clients through continuous innovation. With over 20 years of experience and a team of 180 plus employees, including technicians, engineers, program designers, GI has evolved to become the leading IT partner of business schools and government agencies. Our managed services teams can run your digital infrastructure or support your team on an on-demand basis, letting you focus on your business strengths. This has become a proven formula. So proven that 98% of our clients continue to do business with us year after year. Whether you need IT services, new technology, or have a question, visit us on the web at geninf.com. If you enjoyed our show today, we are here on Talk 107.3 FM every Saturday at 4 p.m. And the show reruns Sundays also at 4 p.m. If you missed any part of the show or you'd like to hear this or previous episodes, check out our podcast. Available on almost every podcast platform, including iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music Audible, and more. When you're there, be sure to subscribe so you get notified every time we post a new episode. If you like our show or you have any suggestions, let us know on our website at www.techgumbo.net. Thank you for listening to Tech Gumbo.